you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody, in the Coaching Consultant Handbook. Uh, This is uh, the Fearless Business Podcast Live. I've got an amazing guest with me today. Uh, In his biography, it was quite interesting, he said that he's heading for his bus pass. So I'm going to tackle him about that later on. We should do another podcast, which is Business on the Bus. I don't know, maybe. Um, But his original training um, was an electrical and electronics engineer, then a chartered engineer, and finally um, became a business development guy. Um, and uh, advises, troubleshoots, builds, shuts down, and otherwise helps a thousand plus companies from globals to kitchen table operations in 20 plus countries across five continents for 30 years. I don't think anybody has got that level of experience uh, that we've had onto the podcast yet, Dino. So welcome. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So we um, we obviously um, met online, which sounds a bit dubious, but uh, through um, a mutual friend. But yes. what, what we realised, I think, very quickly was when we both started talking about pricing mm. um, around, like especially for coaches, consultants, freelancers, the sort of people who are going to be listening to the podcast. Uh, so um, rather than kind of do the hey Dino, you know, tell us a bit of a background, let's just. Let's just punch a few faces now and get deep down and dirty on the pricing side of things. What are your thoughts on pricing? Um, well, f- first off, most people don't charge enough. Um, and, and I think it's because they go to where they, they, they feel um, less challenged, shall we say, by the audience that they select. If, if indeed they're actually selecting an audience at all and not just uh, you know, responding to what they perceive to be need or demand. So um, it's very, very common to see um, freelancers in particular, professional service providers, coaches, consultants, whatever, trainers, um, either being limited by what they see in the market. So the average physio, for example, might only charge 45 pounds an hour because that's what's around them, or a graphic designer might do that, and not look at the the, the amount of pain that they're, um, for. first of all, identifying their, their ideal client. Um, and I know it's a bit hackneyed, you know, saying ideal client profile and an avatar and whatever. But of course, you and I know, Robin, that this is critical in understanding who you serve with what you do. So first of all, I think just going to what it is that you love to do that has an application in the world that solves a problem, that feeds a need. Then understanding where people who have um, money um, and a problem that that, you know, that, that, that skill, that superpower, that zone of genius uh, addresses and, and have the money and the means, if you like, to pay you well for that. Then you've got to up-level, um, awful word, I don't know why I use that, but basically just shift your understanding of what people are prepared to pay, how much pain are they and what is it costing them in real money and in real terms, and what, what's the trade? Because it's just a currency, like time, like energy, like anything else. So what I don't see in the market, and I know you're on this, it, it people both um, in terms of their own inner mechanics, if you like, setting prices that, that, that reflect the value that they bring um, and, and, and allow themselves to be limited by the environments and what's around them, the market that's around them, um, but also not 
challenging, if you like, how to do that creatively. How can I package this, for example, in a way that's going to work? How could I you know, give somebody access to this who can't afford it, but could afford this monthly? So maybe instead of six grand for what I do, I could give them two payments of three grand or three payments of two grand. So I don't I, see I that going hit, on as much. hit the nail on the head there around like the, yeah. it, challenging is the key word because yeah. everybody is out there looking at what the competition doing. In fact, I did a live on this just yesterday. So this is so mm. appropriate. Um, everybody's out there looking at what the competition is charging. But, you know, Dave's looking at Trisha. Trisha's looking at Stacey. Stacey's looking at Brian. And Brian's looking back at Dave. And there's no real, like, so everybody is actually setting their own prices. And nobody, everybody's assuming that those four people have all got it right when they go out there and copy them yeah. and rather than challenge it and say, well, actually have they got it right? Is there a, I liken it to like bandwidth. So you have like your free cheap Weebly Wix WordPress stuff down at this end, mm. the YouTube of the coaching world, for example, yeah. which is, you know, as long as you know how to work YouTube, you can find whatever you need in there and that's zero pounds, but there's a ton of people competing in that, that space, that red ocean. Yeah. And then down at the, the other end of this bandwidth, we've got one Tony Robbins charging a million dollars a year for his coaching. Yeah. And you can choose where you fit along that. And I think a lot of people, you know, probably because actually they don't really value themselves. Mm. They've never been taught how to place a value on what it is that they do yeah. and what value they can bring to the world. They choose to position themselves like most people are, like sheep. Yeah. So what's the first, what would you say then is the first kind of step in the process of like, how can we, uh, do we just challenge it and just charge more? Like what, what, how do we, how do we approach this? Right. So practical steps. Well, 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 actually this is going to sound a little bit out there, but the first practical step is to read something like the big leap. I would say Gay, Gay Hendricks book. Yep. Yeah. I love it. And, and get an understanding that we all have these internal thermostats and pricing you know, and, and self-worth and value is absolutely, it, it, there's a direct correlation between the two. What we feel comfortable charging is, a direct, it, it, is directly connected to how we feel about the value we bring and, and our self-worth. So go, go do a bit of work around that. The second is stepping back and understanding um, how that plays out in, in and I'll, I'll, I'll come up with some practical things in a sec, Robin. Um, the, 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 there's kind of a conceptual way to look at this which is, um, I, I see, um, and, and again, it goes back to environment. Um, analogy that, that I would use is, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very cursed to follow Newcastle United Football Club. I'm a rugby fan, by the way, but yeah, you can't live in Newcastle. They nearly got knocked out by Oxford last night. Oh, geez, yeah, don't drink <laughs> that. Um, but I, I guess it's because St. James's Park is in the city, and it, and it, just, it just really you know, paints the atmosphere, if you like, on, on match day. So it's, very, it's quite unique. But... Uh, yeah, um, if you're sweeping the, the, the changing rooms, the locker room, um, chances are you're looking at the cleaning supervisor going, God, if I could just be that person and earn you know, like 25 grand a year, that'd be awesome. The cleaning supervisor is looking at the shift supervisor saying, if I could do 50 grand a year like them, that'd be brilliant. Um, and it, it goes all the way up to, you know, somebody might get fanciful and think, God, if I could earn 60 grand a week like, like the footballers, that'd be brilliant. Nobody's thinking, why can't I be like Mike, Mike Ashley? And, and, and earn two billion. Not that you want to be like Mike Ashley, but that's, another, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> but, but you get my point. It, it's yeah. just, you know, why? 
why 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 do we why do we put these ceilings if you like on our thinking about what's possible so um by and by not doing that by by you know, by, by sorry by doing that by putting these caps on we we don't challenge because we don't believe if you like inherently that something's possible so we don't we don't test and challenge so that's that's the kind of groundwork if you like the practical thing is stop looking at what your 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 um what your competition is doing because that is looking at what happens in the market as transactional you are building a relationship you are uniquely solving a problem with your unique approach and your unique selling um a solution and your unique disposition. So, what is that worth? What's and again, what, what is the market telling you? Have you gone and actually, for all that you think you've done market research, looking at your competition is not market research. Looking at what your clients and prospective clients need and are likely to pay is market research. Yeah. So, go do that. Start that process. That's that's where I would start. That's it. And I, I think as well, it's about, so there's this challenging the status quo, but also, um, you know, I think recognition of the fact, you know, that, I mean, take the, take the cleaner at St. James's Park, for example, you know, not the most glamorous of jobs, but he must feel important because if the stadium's not, you know, clean and tidy and you know you're going to get fans showing up and yeah okay they might contribute to some of the mess but equally they'll notice if it's messy and it's not well kept and things like that so Mm. that guy still has an important job it's just he's not able to articulate how valuable his job actually is yeah because who's to say well it's that whole thing isn't it It was it was nasa wasn't it with um one of the cleaners at um you know, uh, one of the NASA space centers and they said, Oh, what do you do? Well, I put shuttles into space. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. you're just a cleaner. He's like, yeah. well, no, because if the place is dirty, you know, it'll, uh, it'll affect the environmental conditions and blah, blah, blah. And we won't be able to send the spaceships. That's yeah, fine. Exactly. I'm contributing to spaceships going up yeah. in space. Um, and I think a lot of people just really struggle to articulate that value. Um, and they, t- they listen to the wrong data. So one person comes back and says, oh, no, that's too expensive. And, and as a business owner, we tend to like believe that one person. Yeah. But yet somebody, w- somebody will pay a lot more and we're not really listening to them. We d- you know, and every time somebody says no, we take, it's like an out balance. Yeah. So somebody says no and we, it's, mass, it's like a real disaster. Somebody says yeah. yes and it's like, yay. It's like a little kind of like celebration, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> So out out of balance, I think if you could redress that balance and celebrate the the yeses and the noes equally, or just not at all, remove the emotional attachment to the sale altogether and just go, this is what I think this product is worth. Um, Then I think there'd be a lot more coaches, consultants, freelancers, business people generally in this world who are better off rather than struggling. Yeah, massively. Taking the lid off all of that is is really important because it does put a cap on it. Um, and I, I think we, we we owe it to ourselves to to ask these sort of more more open and expansive questions. You know, Simon and I, uh, 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 our business, have this expression: better questions get better answers. Um, but you, you, we tend not to do that, Robin. I think we tend not to ask these questions. We don't challenge. We don't prod, or we get very narrow in terms of our questions. So, for example, somebody might ask the question. Um, uh, somebody might ask the question, well, what are, you know, what's the competition charging? Wrong question. How much can I charge is the question. Yeah. Yeah. So just change the question. And so in terms of kind of the sorts of client, I know we're on the same page pricing the world. Like we yeah. could probably sit on our 
on our business bus and talk about this for years to come, Dino. <laughs> but um, let, let's talk about let's talk about kind of your background. So, how did you get into kind of this um, sort of personal development, business development sort of world? Oh, uh, okay. So, having gone through the thousand plus companies, yada yada yada, tour the world, and all that stuff, um, I came back to the UK. Um, and, um, was, you know, um, I'd, I'd gone off the last, I think five, six years ago, basically. Um, I became, became, uh, single again. So I, uh, um, I took off for a while, got a place over in Kuala Lumpur. It's going to sound very exotic that, but yeah, anyway, I, it was a bowl hole. So I went over there, did a bit of work, came back, was looking for things to do and fell into a business development, um, role as a contract with, uh, in the energy space, which I'd never worked in before. I'd done oil and gas. And I really enjoyed it. It was building a, a national business development network for one of the big six. And I, I kind of uh, looked at it, but the more I got involved, because I hadn't been involved in corporate for, for quite a while, the more I got involved in the corporate culture again, the more I realized that, and saw people who desperately wanted to be out of that, but, but just weren't helping themselves exit. They weren't, you know, they weren't building a path out or a bridge out or what have you, or a safe platform to land on if they if they leapt. Um, I thought, you know, I could really help. I, I can't do much in here from the inside, but maybe if I just get back into the outside, I can do it. And then quite by chance, as these things happen, I bumped into Simon Hartley, who's an old, an old friend of mine. We met when I was sponsoring a player at Newcastle Falcons Rugby Club years ago and I had the business up there. And he was a fresh-faced young sports psych. Um, and fast forward to three years ago, and the guy's written, at that point, six books, published author, in-demand keynote speaker, um, and, a world, and now a world-class coach. And I use the term advisedly, um, dealing with Olympians and you know, world-class performance. Um, and he was starting to take all this stuff from the sports um, arena and the sports field into business. And I said, mate, we've got to do something with this. If we take human psychology, which is really all sports psychology, is applied to sport, and we take business psychology, infuse that up, do a bit of strategic thinking, put a bit of uh, uh, a bit of um, character development. I t- we tend to call it rather than personal development, uh, which is a bit more fundamental, and and and, um, and business development in a package. We've got something I, I think we could really do something with, and there's a strata of, of business, um, which is obviously in the in the coaching consulting freelance space that yeah. desperately needs this. Let's go see what we can do. So um, it was one of those bits of happenstance, I think, where an opportunity met um, kind of preparation, if you will. You know, they say you make your own luck that way, don't they? You you touched upon there um, something which you saw in the corporate world, which um, mm. kind of struck a bit of a chord that people aren't really um, sort of chasing their own dreams. They're, they're busy building somebody else's dream, but not chasing building their own dreams. So yeah. I would, I'd like to go into that a little bit more because there may be people mm. who are listening who are thinking about taking that step out of corporate land and setting up their own business. And yeah. what, what would you say, you know, um, there needs to be a catalyst. Yeah. It has to be that point where they've got to take that leap of faith and jump. So what, how could you, how could you help somebody jump? Um, there are a couple of things with this. I think a lot of people um, let things build up. You know, you know, they say that frustration generally, particularly in business, comes from unspoken expectation uncommunicated expectation. So you're not saying what it is internally or externally that you want, um, and you get, therefore get frustrated. And eventually the, the pressure cooker kind of just blows up. Yeah. And what happens then is you're ill, or um, you may still be ill, but you walk, 
which which happens with a lot of people. Or you or you you jump around trying to develop the career through different businesses, but what you're taking with you is the same baggage and the same problems because fundamentally you don't like what you do. Yeah. So I think getting to that realization, starting with awareness, because that's always the case. Then it's well, what do I want? Um, and what, what we certainly know from years of working, um, me, me in, in, in business and, and Simon in sport, is that the kind of performance spiral that kicks everything off, which starts with um, focus. Focus is the big, you know, the big weapon I think we all have as, as, as for anybody who's successful. And what fuels focus is curiosity. Because focus falls interest, and interest tends to come from what you really care about. So figure out what you're curious about. Not so much your passion. That's a that's a whole that's a two bottle of wine conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what are you what are you deeply curious about? When you when you when you got on the rabbit hole, and how can you take that and apply that? Now it might be something that was is already a hobby, but actually something you can monetize. But most most often than not, I find that when I'm talking to people in this in this space, Robin, um, it's that. And you generally find it in corporate if you're going around it, because I still consult into that space. You start talking to people about things not work-related, and that suddenly if you get onto something, their eyes light up and you can't stop them talking. And you think, you know, there's, there's, the, there's a spark of something there. You could just yeah. take that. So it's taking that, finding the spark so you can fan it, and it starts to really develop into a flame and a fire. Um, find that first. Where are you deeply curious, and how could you apply that out into the world? What problems could that solve. Don't look at your skills and monetizing the skills necessarily. That might work, but look at what you're curious about because if you're going to get up in the morning doing what we do and the guys listening do um, in, in, in terms of entrepreneurship, self-discipline and motivation in inverted commas will only take you so far. You've got, you got to love it you know, ultimately, it. and you've got to love the long-term um, goal, the long-term, the, the vision, the, the, you know, the point on the horizon that you're fixed on. And if you haven't got the curiosity about the things that are going to take you there and the stuff that's going to drive you, it's going to feel, it's just going to feel like work. Um, yeah. And here's, here's the big news. You're going to be the worst boss in the world when you start. Um, so if you haven't got the drive and nobody's paying you and you're a shit boss, guess where that's going to go? Down the pan. Yeah. <laughs> very, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately that's a sad, the sad, but very true, um, uh, way that a lot of businesses go it's something like 35 businesses go out of business don't they in the first 12 months and just, uh, it, yeah, it is but you know it's worse than that i think because you know most people live i think particularly in corporate live lives of quiet desperation yeah and and i think it's the same in entrepreneurship and with business ownership in that an awful lot of businesses that are not part of the statistic of the 50 odd that finally fail you know um um, within 10 years, um, whatever that, that stat is, because it's not the 90% that the Yanks talk about, but that 50-odd percent that fail within 10 years um, and the 30-odd percent that go out you know, out in the first year, everybody who's left, there's a, I think, personally, from my own experience, um, there's a small percentage that are just doing phenomenally well and just having a hell of a time and a great yeah. ride. And everybody else is making do, they own their own job, or they're looking for a way out. Because and it's just what they do, but they really sure as heck aren't enjoying it. Yeah, and well, nobody, I think nobody starts a business to be in that situation. It's one of the guiding traits, I think, of an entrepreneur is to have um, faith, basically. And um, I, but I think where people mm. get it wrong is they um, they look for. Um, they look for the result in the wrong place. So they're constantly focused on the sale, and they forget about the process. Yes, massively. Massively, you know, you know, fo- focusing on outcomes. Five percent of the planet, if we're lucky, are you know, red personality type, the goal-driven 
you know, driven by goals um, people. The vast majority of entrepreneurs, I find, if you take the analytical types out, um, are the sort of yellow um, color, which is which is um, which is looking is is driven by challenge. The challenge is what interests them and excites them, which is one of the reasons why they fall prey to shiny object syndrome so much. Yeah. Because variety is is the thing for them. So the average entrepreneur is not goal driven. They're challenge driven. And if you're challenge driven, the goal in my book anyway, if this is useful, um, is directional, not destinational. It sets the the strategic direction, the point on the horizon you're going for. Then it's all about the process to get you there. That's the you know building the sat nav, if you like, that's going to direct you. That's that's the job. That's it. I'm on. I'm on board with that. I totally get it. And the thing is, it's like if you imagine there is a journey, like arriving at the destination is like a tiny fraction of it. You've got yeah. to learn to enjoy this this part of the journey. Otherwise, Absolutely. like you're never going to get there. Like you have to yeah. have you know enormous amounts of determination. For some people, that journey appears to be easier. For some people, it's not. But yeah. it's all. I think it's all relative at the end of the day. Mm. I, was, I was going to come back to just there was something which you said about people in jobs, you know, in this um, space of quiet desperation. And yeah. I had a bit of a story which I think I shared with you when we met up. But it mm. was about a law firm that I went in to do some work with, and a big old company. But they had a staff turnover rate of something like twenty five percent. You know, and forty of their solicitors were leaving every year out of mm. a team of one hundred and sixty. And I, I got to work with a, a small set of them on a pilot program. And um, I remember I asked them what their goals were, and they all went around and, and did their um, work goals. Right. So targets, aims, objectives. It's all about time recording and all that billable hours and all that sort of stuff. And I said, no, no. Um, I, when I asked you to write down your goals, I also meant write down your personal ones. So let's go around again and we'll write down our personal ones. And there were um, four women in the well, the whole most the majority of the team were women. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was uh, eleven women, one one chap. Four four out of the team broke down in tears. Wow. And and I I, went, I managed to catch up with three of them and I, I was like what's going on here and the three of them were like nobody's ever asked us what our personal goals are in this organisation one yeah. of them had been there for nearly thirty years good lord nobody had ever asked her what she wanted yeah. and then the the third the fourth one um, when I spoke to the two partners in the team uh, they're about to performance manager out the business so I said well one you can't now do that because you've told me that that would make it illegal. Yeah. So you need to now do something more constructive than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not illegal. Um, and and two, if you need to find out what's going on for her. And, and it was just one of those things. That, and I think this is true. This isn't just true of people in jobs. This is true of entrepreneurs. Life gets in the way from time to time. Yeah. She'd broken up with a boyfriend, had to move back in with her mum, crashed a car, like just all sorts of yeah. Yeah. you know, curveball after curveball. Naturally, it affected her performance. And again, I think there's this belief that um, entrepreneurs need to be these like, you know, ballistic missiles that are just unbreakable, unshakable, and, you know, this clearly defined trajectory and we're going to get, but actually, like, if you look at, if you looked at my ballistic missile, it's going all over the fucking place. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's a lot of energy behind it, but it, yeah. it's just like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you as well, like you were touching upon something which was like, uh, on the entrepreneurial journey, when you've kind of gone through all of that shit and yeah. you're still there looking for shiny object, like mm. I also think, and this is going to probably touch on a nerve, I think, with a lot of people, but mm. let's go here if it's okay with you. Yep. Um, because that shiny object syndrome exists, there's a mm. lot of shysters in our industry. Massively. 
And it's taking advantage, I'll be honest, of well-meaning people who just want to run a successful business. Yeah. Like, what would you say are some of the red flags that people should be looking out for? That's a great question. Um, okay. So as we don't have an hour, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just try and give you one or two. Um, so, so there's a, there's a, I actually spoke about this on, on a live this morning. Um, there's a, the, you know, one of the things that I think and you, you will, whether you phrase it like this or not, you will definitely teach your guys this, uh, Robin, which is you can't sell magic. And magic with a K. So that's kind of like dark art, occult type stuff. Yeah. Um, and pe- for, so first of all, people, uh, you know, if you think somebody's doing that, either they're just, and this will be a lot, of, a lot of guys that perhaps are listening that haven't packaged things up properly, don't understand the process. Um, but the, the core offer, the, you know, the thing that everything rests on, the way that they help the world will sound like magic. So it's, and, and it'll either sound like occultist type magic or it'll sound like a magic trick. Either way, there's no substance to it. So maybe that's one of the reasons why they're, they're, they're struggling to sell. But the, uh, the, the sharp cookies who are really, really astute marketers that don't have the depth, and I use the word advisory, they don't have the depth of understanding to actually deliver the way an expert delivers. An expert, just to, just to go tangentially for a sec, in my parlance, an expert helps you understand the problems that you need to solve and then helps you fix those problems because they understand what to do. That's different from a skill. A consultant, for example, or somebody who's, who's astute enough that doesn't have that skill might help you identify the problems, but can't help you fix them. Yeah. Now, they might bring somebody else in for that, or they might be somebody who, who just puts a smokescreen over it and alludes to the fact that they can help you, but they actually can't. And part of the component of that is helping you do the work and understand your role in the process. You're like, for example, um, you might hate sales, and a part of the, the process is we well, got to, you know, you got to sell. Well, I don't like sales. Well, we have to fix that, mate, because if you, if yeah. you don't get over that or you don't bring somebody in, you've got a problem on your hands. Because the fundamental process. part of running a business is making money, which. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, if you're in, you know, Jay Abraham said it, you know, the, the best. If you're, in, if you're in business, you're in sales and marketing. End of. Yeah. But my point about that, that is somebody rocks up, and this is kind of the red flag thing. Somebody rocks up and tries to sell you a bit of magic. They throw a bit of social proof around from people who haven't actually had a transformative result, but they're on, they're in train, if you like, they're in progress. So they go, oh my God, this is amazing. Great. How is it amazing? What was the difference? Yeah. What was the ROI? What was the difference to your income? What, are the, what difference did it make the amount of time they freed up? Whatever it was there to do. Well, I haven't actually got that result yet, but nobody's telling you that, but it feels great. And I feel like I'm on track for the first time in years. That's lovely and fluffy. But, you know, I'm not seeing transformative impact. So first red flag. Second thing is, in order to sell, and this is where the astute guys come in who are shysters, they'll put a process in place because that's actually the bit that you need. So you sell, you've got the magic, which you can't sell as magic. People have to understand how they're, they're going to arrive there. And you go, oh, I figured that out. Awesome. Here's a 12-step process or a seven-step process or whatever. Here are the steps. Great. How does that work? Because if you haven't, if you can't, as a, as a consumer of this, if you like, as somebody who could potentially be helped, if they can't explain to you how that process works and where you fit into that process, and it's just a thing, a construct, a set of mechanics with this bit of magic at the end, that's a red flag. They've got to say, well, actually, step two is this, and here's how that works, and here's what you're going to have to do. Yep. Step four is this, and if you haven't got step two done, you can't do step four, and here's why. If you get that, that's somebody you want to go and have a conversation with and somebody potentially you want to buy from. But if not, run, is, is my view. 
Yeah, well, you, you you talk about as well having um, a you know building character led businesses or business yes. people, and that the fact that that's really all about mindset. And um, talk a little bit more about that. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to have a, a go at mindset because I do, as you know, because <laughs> um, it is. It, it's just the thing is, I, and, and I don't want to say this in a bad way because I'm going to use the term sloppy um, in terms of use of mindset, and it, actually, it's not that. It's been that's been unkind, but the truth is, it's a, it's an easy word that people listen for. Therefore, it gets used. The reality is really, really astute and great mindset coaches go in a level of identity. So we have this little model, which is the the, the, the identity ladder, uh, which is beliefs and values. It all starts there. What do you fundamentally believe? You know, I was talking about Gay Hendricks, but the big leap before that's 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 a great one to get that understanding. So, what are your beliefs and values? What's, um, that then forms your identity, how you see yourself and how you relate to the world around you and how you interpret the world as relating to you, which is a huge thing in terms of pricing, et cetera, et cetera, and how you show up every day and be consistent and all that stuff. The outward expression of that is your character. So how courageous are you? How much integrity do you display? Your value might be that you value honesty, but you're not very honest. So, which is, you know, which is just something you go and look at and sort. You know, I don't stand in judgment over anybody for that. But the reality is you have to understand that. Am I as honest as I would like to be? Then you get to mindset. And mindset for me, and mental game we call that, is just your moment-to-moment decision-making and thinking. And that is a function predominantly. There are more complexities to it. But for me, that's a function of your character and your identity. Yeah. So we, and, and then from mindset, you get actions and behaviors. Then you get outcomes. So the expression that might help the guys, um, there's two expressions I have. One is traits, not states, or traits before states. Get the characteristics right. So if you need more tenacity, you talked about faith. I'd, I'd say be, be more tenacious. Understand the goal that you want. Understand why you want it and hold on to it. That's tenacious. Yeah. Well, the, the key word there is be more tenacious. Yes. Be more, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It starts with be. You know that old um, be, do, have, give, yeah? Yeah. Start with be, yeah? It, it's, it's an internal journey. So, so, I so... Can, I could really want, like, nice big chunky arms and a six-pack, but, you know, and I, and I could really, you know, um, I, you know, but if I don't actually every day wake up and do 50 push-ups, I'm never yeah. going to get any kind yeah. of element of fitness. Yeah, and, and also, just again, just off at a slight tangent, you know, the, the old expressions, summer body is made in the winter, yeah? Yeah. Start, start and give yourself, you know, understand that everything in nature... Uh, and in business, has a, has a cycle. Now, you, you can have a sense of urgency. That's great. But don't be hasty. Yeah, Underst- Understand there are cycles. Um, but yeah, the, the traits, traits before states, I think, is a, key, is a key one just to think of because okay. that, that drives the, the mental behavior and the decision-making. And if you want to know why you're where you are, look at the decisions that you've made over the last year because that will tell you. That's, that's, that's all about that. The other thing is that in, 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 our, in our world um, – that mindset uh, drives behaviors, but character drives outcomes. One is short-term and one is long-term. Yeah. So if you want the outcomes, you really want all that long-term goal stuff, have a look at your character, personal development. And presumably as well, it works on the flip side. It's not just how we want to be perceived to the outside world, but if I'm going to go out and get clients, I don't want to get flimsy woo-woo clients who have just got daydreaming about like you know, earning a doing a hundred thousand pound a year business. Yeah, we need somebody with the right sort of character who can achieve that. I guess. Yeah, massively. Yeah, uh, and you, you, you know, there's an expression: you you attract what you are. I don't think it's very true. 
you give off a vibe, there's an aura. I'm not a great fan of this whole, you know, sit back and trust the, the universe and trust the process. Trust the process if you know the bloody process works. Yeah? yeah. So build a process that has a chance of working and, and, and test the hell out of it, then trust the process. The 400, the 400 meter hurdler on the blocks understands that if she just gets a good, clean, fast start, and then clears the hurdles, and then goes like Billy O for, for, for the line. She doesn't have to think about winning a medal or hitting, you know, breaking the world record. She just has to execute that process step by step as well as she can because she's done it a thousand times. She knows, knows it works. I think it's the same for all of us. Build a process that works, then trust the process and take your eye off the, the finishing line. Because you, you, who's to say you won't go blistering through the finishing line? How do you know where the end is? So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely work the process. So powerful. You make it sound so simple as well, Dino. It is simple. The problem <laughs> is simple's bloody hard. You want to lose weight. My old army mate, SAS lad, um, I remember talking to him about this. We did some work with the, um, the Joint Services uh, Everest West Ridge Expedition, 2006 that was. Brilliant that was. And it was RAF and Navy and Army all came together. And he's SAS. And, and I remember talking to him about weight loss. And he said, well, that's, that's straight. That's, that's easy. You just eat less and run lots. And I went, yeah, so why is like half of the UK overweight? Yeah, it's simple is bloody hard. We are seduced by complexity. Complexity is easy. Complexity is attractive. Simplicity, nobody wants, but it's what everybody needs. Go, keep, keep, keep going with this line of thought, because like, why is that? Why, like, you know, you have two simple instructions, eat less, run more. Yeah. Like, I'm, I get it. Like, look at look at the show. I'm I'm not an athlete by any stretch, but I'm an I'm I'm an all right fellow. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I understand that that takes just a little bit of discipline. Am I missing something here? Like, why do people find it so hard to do the really simple? You stuff? need to want to do it. There are three motivational drivers: should, need, and want. And if you should do it, chances are you're not going to stick with it. You might not even start. If you need to do it, you might do it. Some people don't because they. Yeah, going back to Gay Hendricks and Big Leap and thermostats and stuff. But most people will do the thing they need to do, like get up and go to work. Yeah. But when the need disappears, so does the motivation. So there's a driver for that motivation. So you need to want to do it. Wanting is, is that. Wanting. So it starts there. So at some point in your journey, you will have said, I want to do this. Somewhere, at some subconscious level. And yeah, that, that's, again, that's a two bottle of wine or a four, four cases of beer conversation. But... That, that, that you've wanted to do it. Um, and you don't need discipline for that then because you've got, you've got what, is, what is required to get you up every day and do the thing. Now, eventually, it will become part of your structure, which is also a great thing to do. And, and it's a habit. And at that point, then, um, because it's automatically into your routine and what you do, that frees up that capacity, if you like, to then direct it to something else. But what most people do is they try to make too many changes at once. They don't really want to do any of them. Guess what? At all, you know, that's half of, you know, half, half of the planet probably by now. I would have thought, having made New Year's resolutions, so they've gone. But it's it's an element of um, sounds similar to Parkinson's law. You know, where you have sort of two hours to do it, a task which should take two hours, you give it eight hours, and you end up making it four times more complex to fill up the time. Yeah. Yeah, so very much. Be yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and interestingly, there's a couple of variations of that. that like the, uh, the, the the less amount of time you've got, the more urgency, and, and therefore the, the the sharper and quicker it gets done, which yeah. is as, as the time reduces, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, you're right, and we do do that because we we don't we we don't live in the now. 
Um, we don't have that kind of sense of urgency. We always think we've got time, and we don't. Yeah, trust me. Yeah, moving towards the time when I'm getting a bus pass, I know this. We don't have time. <laughs> well, we are running out. Of, speaking of time, Dino, we are we are kind of coming up to um, our our time on the Fearless mm. Business Podcast here. So, um, you you mentioned before we were chatting about something called the five fatal mistakes. Give people a quick thirty second intro of that because you've got a gift, haven't you, for our listeners? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just a, a little ebook that we, we, we or PDF that we we, we produced. Um, yeah, it's one of the big things. There are five five things that are common to all wildly successful entrepreneurs, and there are five things that take businesses out of business. So the five fatal mistakes we call them. Um, so um, we, and we have various terms for this. So I'll not kind of spoil the fun in the book, but ba- basically they they are to do with things like um, being wedded to your idea. Um, you know, we were talking before about not asking wider and deeper questions and just thinking that you've got it right. So being wedded to your idea, being in too much of a hurry, um, I call that one the microwave mindset, wanting yeah. to press a button and have it done. Um, Alan Greenspan, who was, the, uh, who was the chairman of the Fed in the 90s, had, had a term which I love called irrational exuberance. I've got a variation of that, but that's another one, which is basically where you are so caught up in doing the thing you're doing that you're enjoying that set, feels like you're the business is moving forward that you don't look at all the other elements of your business and you fail. So that might be that you're selling well, but you're selling at no margin and you go out of business. Yeah. And then there's a cash flow one, which is at the end. So th- th- there are five, there are five aspects of this where we look at it and just say, watch for these things. Here are the things to watch for. Um, because any one of these in their own right can lead to catastrophic failure if you don't watch them. Cool. Well, that sounds absolutely invaluable and nobody wants to be committing those fatal mistakes. So I think that we'll encourage everybody who's listening to this to download it. So where can people get hold of you? How can they get access to the um, five fatal mistakes? Um, if they go onto our website, um, it's actually right up there on the, on the main page. Um, so that's www.successengineers.co. Um, that's the principal place to get it from, or I can throw it into the group or you know whatever, whatever suits. Cool. Well, we will. What we'll do is we'll also pop um, uh, pop the link into the show notes as well, so they've got access to that. And what about you personally? Can we get hold of you on social media? LinkedIn? Yeah, you can find me Dino Tartaglia. Um, I've tried to put the alias Carbonara in, but no, no, nobody would have it. So <laughs> nice. that's what I get called at school. Um, so I'm on Facebook, which is generally where I apply my trade. I'm on LinkedIn, obviously as well. Great. Um, I tend to keep LinkedIn for the kind of corporate business i do a bit on there but but facebook is where you'll get more of my kind of who i am and personality um and we've got the facebook business page for success engineers which is the business awesome well we'll include links to all of those and then i have one final question which i ask all of our guests on the podcast um so dina i'm gonna um take you for a ride in the fearless business time machine and we're going to rewind the clock uh to a time in the past that means something to you you get to choose what time period that is, 5, 10, 20, 50 years, if you, if well, you want okay. to go back that far. Um, and you're going, to be, you're going to find that older version of or younger version of Dino. What advice would you give him? There are no limits on what you can do. Find somebody who helps to show you this um, and learn. Um, and don't be afraid of um, anything particularly not failure try everything everything is just data um to analyze and learn from until you find what what makes your heart sing so go do that and what age would is that version of dino probably about six or seven amazing 
Oh, what a sound piece of advice. Lovely. Well, Dino, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much for coming onto the podcast. We'll include all those links in the show notes. Please do reach out to Dino. Everybody who's listening, if you um, have got any questions for him or want to have a chat about your business, the Success Engineers are a fantastic organization getting great results. Dino, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, same for me. Thanks very much for having me, Rob. Cheers. My pleasure.